Welcome to the Amherst Wesleyan Church Sermon Podcast. And this morning, uh, I have the privilege of introducing a new sermon series that we're going to be beginning today. And for the next couple of weeks, we'll be looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians. So if you have a Bible, you can go there now, because we're going to read two chapters of 1 Thessalonians a little later on. And it's lengthy, and that might take up the majority of my message time here. But we're going to look at the book of 1 Thessalonians for the next couple of weeks and take it chapter by chapter and just dig into what God has to say for us at this specific time. You see, the book of 1 Thessalonians just so happens to be one of the most encouraging books for believers, especially during a difficult season or through difficult and challenging seasons. You see, we've all been through in the last year and a half a very tiresome, a very long, a very stressful, a very difficult season for the past year and a half. You agree? Say amen. It's been challenging. It's been hard. And while it's been a challenge, and while not everyone's faith has survived, there have been spiritual casualties along the way, I think I can look back on this past year and a half and see how God was faithful and see how I grew and developed as a person through God's strength. And perhaps you can do the same. You can look back on the past year and a half and see where God has been faithful to you in spite of the many different challenges that we have all faced together. So as we wind down this pandemic season, and hopefully like we've been talking about this morning and the last couple weeks, we're hoping that next Sunday we can gather together as one full body. Uh, I want us to just turn to this scripture 1 Thessalonians, because I believe it will certainly lift us up, and that it will encourage us to press on and to remain steadfast in God's love and on his mission. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and 2, beginning in verse 1. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering. You welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so, you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. 
You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in, in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God, who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, not from you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. For you, brothers, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own countrymen the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to all men in their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they always heap up their sins to the limit, and the wrath of God has come upon them at last. But brothers, when we were torn away from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan stopped us. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So as we read through First Thessalonians, the first two chapters, you can already see how much Paul loves this church, how much he cares for them, and how much he really wants to encourage them because of what they are presently going through. So to understand what the Thessalonians are going through, we need to flip back in our Bibles and read Acts chapter 17. We have to go there to get some background, figure out who the Thessalonians are, why is Paul even writing to them, and what's going on here. Now, as most of us know, Paul had been on several missionary journeys throughout the Roman Empire, and Thessalonica, the city where the Thessalonians are, is one of the many communities he visited. He visited there, he planted the church, and we'll get that story of how he did that in Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Here's what it says. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. So this is Paul and his companions. They arrive in Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. 
As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews, however, were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks, and not a few prominent women. But there were some who were jealous, some Jews who were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there's another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. And as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. So this is Paul arriving in Thessalonica to preach the gospel and to make disciples and to plant a church. So it's important to keep this story in mind as we read through the book of 1 Thessalonians. You see, when Paul reaches Thessalonica, he spends three weeks, and that's important, three weeks. He's only there for three weeks to preach the gospel plan a church, make disciples, but there are some people not happy about this, and they start a riot. And so because of the extent of the violence and the danger that's posed to Paul's life, Paul leaves after only being in Thessalonica for three weeks. Later on, he writes this letter to the Thessalonians to encourage them and to provide them further guidance as they continue to suffer the same persecution and the same rioting and the same violence and the same upheaval that is taking place in their community. So imagine this to try and help connect what it's like for the Thessalonians. Imagine it's 2015. And Evan and Heidi have just showed up in Amherst. That's the year you came, right? Good. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I got that right. It's 2015. Evan and Heidi have shown up in Amherst, and they're preaching the gospel here, and they're making disciples here, and they're working with the church and getting ministries established, but they're only here for three weeks. And the, and the town of Amherst decides to start a riot and start burning down businesses, and it's kind of like what we saw in the United States last summer. And all of a sudden, there's violence, and there's a risk, and there's danger for Evan and Heidi's life, and they have to hightail it out of here, otherwise they're going to die. And maybe they end up in, we'll say, Yarmouth, and from there, they continue to write letters to the church and, and try to keep things going. All right? That is the situation that the Thessalonians were in. And I might ask you, well, if that were the case here, would AWC be what it is today? And we could debate that, but that's not really the point. Some of you might say, yeah, I would. Some might say, no, I don't know if we would be what we are today. But the point is, this is what is happening in Thessalonica. Paul is there for three weeks, and then he has to get out of there because of the level of risk happening to him. In a matter of three weeks, Paul managed to preach, teach, and disciple a group of people to become a fully functional, thriving, and growing church 
that would go on to transform their community for the sake of God's kingdom. Which to me sounds amazing. When I hear that, I go, wow, that's pretty impressive. Three weeks, and they were just going for it. But sometimes I wonder how much time it takes for us to grow or to transform or to fulfill our God-given potential. You see, so often in churches you might hear of five-year plans or 12-step programs that take months, if not years, to complete. And at times it feels like so much time and energy is spent in trying to just transform even one person spiritually. But for the Thessalonians, it took three weeks. Three weeks to radically change their lives, their families, and their community. Three weeks. I wonder how much time we as a church need to go from one step to the next in reaching lost people. How much time does a broken marriage need to be repaired? How much time do you need to make a life-changing decision for your own spiritual or personal betterment? And if you think more than three weeks, then I need to challenge you today to begin reconsidering your timeline and ask yourself just how much time are we wasting procrastinating the things that God has laid on our hearts to begin working on? And you might be listening to me say that, and you might think, that's not possible, Pastor Brad. Three weeks, that's, that's too short amount of time. I need way more time than that to grow or to heal or to restore. But the Thessalonians did it. And you might think, well, they didn't really do much. Well, we just read the first two chapters. And if you skim back through those first two chapters of First Thessalonians, you'll see that the Thessalonian people made tremendous growth and radical change in a very short period of time. In verse 3, Paul commends them for their work, for their labor, and their endurance, which were accompanied by a strong faith, love, and hope. In verse 6, Paul points out that they became imitators of God, meaning they exemplified God's character to each other and to their neighbors. And the result of doing so is so boldly stated in verse 7 and 8. It says that the Thessalonians became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia, which were the surrounding communities in the broader region. It would be like saying, those people at AWC, they became a model for all believers in Cumberland County and Nova Scotia and beyond, which would sound pretty cool. But Paul even goes further and says that the gospel rang out, not only in their own region, but the entire Roman Empire. AWC not only could impact Cumberland County, Nova Scotia, but perhaps the rest of our country, the rest of our nation, perhaps the rest of North America. This is what the Thessalonian church was accomplishing. Then in verse 10, Paul points out that they turned away from idols to serve the one true living God. And maybe that sounds unimpressive to you, but this is an incredible testimony of how in just three weeks... The Thessalonian people determined to abandon their foreign gods and to worship the one true God. They abandoned their idols and they abandoned their foreign gods that they probably worshiped for generations. But the most impressive transformation, the cherry on top, 
of how incredibly devout the Thessalonians became is found in chapter 2, verse 13. Paul says that they accepted the word of God, not as some word from man, but as it actually is, the word of God. In other words, they understood that this was not just some temporary book to ponder and meditate on from time to time, but one to devote and dedicate themselves toward. They made faith a top priority for their lives. This is an incredible testimony of what a church can accomplish in just three weeks. And so I read this story and I'm so impressed and I'm so inspired by what the Thessalonian church was able to do in such a short period of time. But not only is it an awesome testimony, I think it's a very high standard in which all churches need to aim for. So here's the encouragement. Here's our application. I haven't been here long enough to to really say this with authority, but I would say that AWC certainly has done well in its history. Over the past year and a half, we've persevered, we've endured hardships caused by the pandemic, we've stayed on mission, we've continued to reach lost people, we've invested countless time and energy and finances into our ministries for kids and teens and seniors and care and outreach and missions and meals and on and on and on that list goes. And so I think we have lots to be proud of and lots to really say, yeah, we're doing a great job and and we have lots to be proud of. But here's the thing. I don't think we come close to the Thessalonians. And that's not meant to be heard as a judgment or a condemnation, but as an inspiration as to where we can go next, as to where what we what we can become in the days ahead. The Thessalonians provide for us an example of what we can become if we continue to work and to labor and to endure hardships with faith and hope and love. If we continue to imitate God's character and love to one another and our neighbors. If we continue to lay down our idols and serve the one true God. If we continue to dedicate ourselves to God's word, I believe that AWC can become a model to all other believers in Amherst, in Cumberland County, and beyond, and that the gospel can ring out of this church into our communities, our families, our nation, that we can become like the Thessalonians and make an impact in our world. If you believe that, say amen. Good. The band's going to come and lead us in a song to close our time together. But all of this is only possible when we first put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It is through his power, it is through his direction, that any of this is possible. It's not done through special programs or through special strategies or anything like that. It comes from a faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here this morning and maybe you've not yet made a decision or a declaration to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to make that decision today, to put your faith in Jesus Christ, to make him Lord of your life, to surrender your idols to him and recognize that he is sovereign. It's very simple. Pray and ask him to forgive you of your sin. Ask him to come and make a dwelling in your life, to be Lord of your life, 
and enter into that relationship. Would you pray with me? Father God, your word has spoken boldly to us this morning. And you've shown us that there are ways in which we can grow as individuals and as a body. That there are places that you are moving us towards. That we have to put our faith in you if we're going to advance your kingdom. Lord, you've presented us an inspiration, but also a standard of what you expect of your churches. And so we ask, God, that you would give us the help required, the strength required, to live up to that, to embody your love to one another, to our neighbors and our community. And that, Lord, we would go away from this place transformed. Lord, if there are any here this morning who have yet to put their faith in you, I ask, God, that you would help them do that this morning. We praise you and we thank you for you are good and you are great. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening and being part of our church and joining us in this journey to become down-to-earth people following Jesus in down-to-earth ways. Thank you.